research study helps us understand what is happening with charitable giving during the pandemic, including an important learning on gender distinctions related to charitable giving as the pandemic continues. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and you are listening to the first day from the Fundraising School. I'm joined today by my colleague, Jeannie Sager. Jeannie is the director of the Women's Philanthropy Institute within the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and importantly, Jeannie is an alumna of our master's program and her master's degree from our school. And Jeannie, so great to have you with us on this podcast. The Women's Philanthropy Institute has come out with a pathbreaking study of what is happening with charitable giving during the pandemic. What have you and your colleagues learned? Well, thank you so much again for having us here. And I'm really thrilled to share the latest findings from um, WPI's uh, latest report on COVID-19. And I guess the headline would be this, that despite facing a global health crisis and economic uh, recession, more than half of all U.S. households, that's 56%, expressed some form of generosity during the early months of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and this particular report um, is interesting because the findings are based on responses to questions about generosity um, that may, were made between, uh, the survey was done between that in mid-May of 2020, and it's a national sample of 3,400 households, which differs from some of the other reports that have been out um, that really were more focused on corporate and foundation donations um, and also high net worth um, um, get philanthropy. And so this is really a look at the general population um, and how they responded early in the pandemic um, through generosity. So of this sample of individual donors, more than half have said they're going to continue their generosity despite the pandemic. What about levels? Were they going to stay the same, more, less? What type of information did this survey so what's, so what's interesting is that um, when we look at U.S. households routine charitable giving at this time, and again, very important, to, this is an early snapshot. So this was, you know, we looked at their giving between March and May of 2020. Um, and so donations that they would have expected to make um, had the pandemic not occurred um, largely stayed unchanged. Um, we found that the scale of this giving, whether through traditional charitable donations or things like giving to individuals or businesses through crowdfunding campaigns or with in-kind goods, was really largely unchanged. I mean, um, the interesting, another interesting piece to um, the findings um, is that we looked at this idea of direct versus indirect giving. Um, and so we found that 48% of U.S. households had engaged in forms of generosity that were quite unique to this particular pandemic. So we're facing a shelter at home, uh, economic downturn. And so this idea of indirect giving, 48% of these households, um, would include things like ordering takeout um, from a restaurant with an intention to support local restaurants or ordering gift cards for restaurants that um, were shuttered early during this early time in the pandemic um, to ensure that their employees, um, you know, could, and that their businesses could stay afloat but also paying individuals or services or businesses for services that they couldn't deliver on. So think hairstylists, uh, caregivers, um, housekeeping. Um, and so the, this is a pretty unique in terms of all of the social uh, distancing um, uh, restrictions that happened. But there are also 
a third of the households did some combination of donating what we say directly to nonprofits. So your traditional gifts uh, to 501c3s, um, um, also supporting others through crowdfunding, also in-kind goods. Um, and, and that share is slightly higher uh, than the percentage um, who donated to support uh, disaster aid efforts um, in 2018. So that percentage was about 29%. So 32% um, um, engaged in direct giving um, at this time. And so we know that more than half of households talked about maintaining their philanthropic generosity. Some of those folks said they'd even be giving more. Uh, yes. And as Jeannie described here, this is part of our school's uh, larger, much more inclusive understanding of philanthropy. Certainly as fundraisers, we are very interested in donations to formal nonprofit organizations. But uh, to amplify Jeannie's point, you know, somebody gave, uh, you know, double the cost at the hair salon or at the barber because they know they missed a round because of sheltering in place. Right. We understand that as a, a form of philanthropy. We see that type of generosity at play here as well. Jeannie, what gender distinctions did the study reveal? Because again, this study is coming from our Women's Philanthropy Institute, a national and international leader in helping us understand gender distinctions in philanthropic and generous behaviors. What did this study find? So interestingly, this report's findings differ um, from previous WPI research. Um, which shows that single women are more likely to give and give in greater amounts than similarly situ situated single men. For this particular study, um, we found that, uh, that uh, women were more significantly more likely than single men to decrease their giving um, as a result of specific elements of the pandemic during the early months of the crisis. And so, um, you know, when we think about, uh, again, the economic impacts and the further spread of COVID-19 and how that has affected households giving to different degrees, we find that single women um, were more um, affected um, due to these factors, you know, in the initial months of, of the pandemic, which again, runs counter to our previous research. And it appears that the circumstances of this crisis, which have disproportionately impacted women, um, economically and disrupted their ability to network um, and to connect, um, maybe putting a strain on women's giving in particular. And so this is something we're very interested in tracking, um, moving along, um, um, and especially because um, we don't quite know um, the, the, the larger effect. Um, you know, research is coming out all the time right now with regards to how the pandemic is affecting um, women and girls in particular. And it's seemingly showing that um, it's disproportionately affecting them to, to, to um, the negative versus the positive. And when we've looked at fundraising research over the decades, you know, of course, all people can be generous. We need to diversify our donor databases and treat each donor prospective donor individually. But when we think about our planning, the married couple household tends to be the most philanthropically active. And as Jeannie mentioned, followed by single women, followed by single men. In this study, uh, to the extent that anybody was saying they were going to pull back on their philanthropic behavior, this was the, the group of single women. And again, as Jeannie's mentioned, uh, and at the fundraising school, we talk a lot about this K-shaped economic recovery. The economic recovery is not affecting all groups of people the same. 
And we think about a single mom who now is also running uh, her family's school academy at the kitchen table while she's also working, uh, taking care of other household responsibilities while she's also working, or perhaps more likely to still be amongst those millions of folks who've lost their jobs that have not yet come back. That is disproportionately falling on single women as well. That, of course, could affect their charitable behavior. Yep. And, uh, you know, the economists are throwing around the term she-session um, for this particular economic um, um, recession that we're seeing. Um, and there are so many more. There was just a report out uh, earlier uh, this week that talked about um, the number of women who are pulling out of the workforce because they have to make a choice uh, between, um, you know, staying home, being able to take care of their kids and, and who is going to be the primary breadwinner. Um, and, um, you know, we still haven't, we still haven't um, um, shortened the pay gap between men and women. And so if you're in a two income household, then the man, you know, decides to take, to keep the job and the women, the woman has made, made a choice to, that is too hard to do both. <laughs> so, so that's what's happening right now. And we'll see what, how, it, how it affects women and giving. And of course, we encourage you to be close to your donor database, not to stereotype by any means. There are single women in your donor database who are going to continue to contribute, uh, but the survey can be helpful as we uh, fundraise today uh, and plan for next year. Jeannie, how would you summarize your advice? You not only wonderfully lead the Women's Philanthropy Institute, but you yourself are a fundraiser. You were a fundraiser before you came to us. You're a fundraiser for our school now. What advice do you have for fundraisers on how they can use the findings from this study uh, as they fundraise now and plan for the future? So we see the fact that the people uh, tended to not give less money away during the early months of the pandemic as a very positive sign. And what it suggests, as so much of our research at the school has shown, is that for many households, charitable giving is a habit. Um, and in this case, it's reasonable to expect that Americans who are used to supporting charitable causes will keep doing it um, despite the challenging circumstances. And so one of the things that we hope that people take away from this particular report from WPI is something that we have been tracking for a couple years now. And it's that our research demonstrates that generosity of Americans, especially those who are younger um, and from communities of color, you know, tends to go well beyond donating money. And so younger people um, and people who are more likely than older Americans to engage in less conventional giving patterns. Um, and so really being able to understand how you can lean into that generosity um, and, and, and profit from it. Um, so you know, how can we meet donors where they are um, and make it easier for them to expand their generosity in new and creative ways, especially when they're feeling really pinched economically. So continuing to keep them um, within your community um, and recognize all of the different resources that they might be able to, to um, give to you at this moment in time. Um, and really reimagine your, your fundraising approaches. So uh, of course, uh, figuring out ways to connect uh, with your donors, especially women um, through the virtual space. Um, we found that women are, are drawn to building community in different ways, including online. Our Women Give 2020 report actually looks at the intersection of technology, gender, and giving. Um, and we found that um, women are very much drawn uh, to building community both online and offline. And so what are you doing as an institution to provide those opportunities? And more importantly, to continue, uh, continue the, the course 
um, stay, stay vigilant about your communication. Um, stay vigilant about making um, the, your case for support relevant during this very unique time um, and, and being more inclusive um, um, instead of as you, um, as, you, as, you, as you go into your traditional end of year appeals um, and, and, and mindful um, that there are so many distractions right now um, for everybody. Um, and so really finding different ways for people to kind of um, access uh, your work um, and relate to, or relate to your mission. This study provides additional empirical support that you can continue to reach out to your donors, continue to reach out to prospective donors, certainly with empathy about how the pandemic is affecting them, their family's health, their economic well-being, and including their family structures. We now know uh, that single women are most likely uh, to be most affected in terms of declining their charitable behavior at the moment due to the economic ramifications of this pandemic. Now, the Women's Philanthropy Institute is housed within the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy. The starting point is our college's website, philanthropy.iupui.edu. And then look across the top toolbar for the word institutes. You'll see a drop-down menu. There you will find the Women's Philanthropy Institute. You can also find the Women's Philanthropy Institute on a wide range of social media platforms. Now, one space over is professional development. That's where you find the fundraising school. Uh, we have 20 public courses, including a course on gender distinctions and giving that we teach in partnership with WPI. Uh, we also have our custom training that we can bring to your nonprofit, your association, your region, whatever works best for you. We have these free podcasts, quarterly webinars. We get together once a month on Fridays with the fundraising school. And right now you can access the crisis response scholarship that provides a 50% discount for any of our public courses. Again, our website, philanthropy.iupui.edu. With my colleague, Jeannie Sager, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.